thinking, sort of listening to other people's papers, that uh, Sassoon is unusual even for you know, a rich Jewish landowner, that, that uh, in many ways his style does not conform to such norms as have been emerging during the course of the day. Um, he's a Tory, not a liberal, and he's also Oriental rather than Jewish in his... I mean, he is neither attempting to conform in the usual way, nor is he being Jewish in the usual way. He was a successful MP. He was a public figure. He was an insider who was also an outsider. The Sassoon family were Jews who originated in Baghdad and made a great mercantile fortune in Bombay. Sassoon's version of magnificence was highly suspect in English context because it stirred up both racism and homophobia. His personal style was exquisite, even epicene. Here's a well-known cartoon by Max Beerbohm of Sassoon in the House of Commons as a successful MP. Uh, the sort of true blue roaring John Bulls on either side of him and Sassoon, they're absolutely like a figure from another world, not least, of course, because he's sitting cross-legged in oriental fashion. Here's a cartoon I found of Sassoon, um, and a sketch by his uh, fellow MP, Ellen Wilkinson, from 1930, long after the, um, the Beerbohm cartoon. She's still thinking of him in these orientalist terms, as sitting cross-legged on the table behind the mace in the middle of the House of Commons with one finely carved hand on each brass box. He would make an appropriate Eastern altarpiece. What does he think behind that ivory mask? Well, one thing that we know he thought about almost all the time was aviation, um, which is perhaps a you know, suitable tribute to his um, background as part of a great commercial um, family. The, the notion of you know, a world where, where you could send goods and people sort of from Singapore to England by air. This was a dream that, that he was tireless in promoting. This is um, a house we'll hear about <coughs> tomorrow, Trent Park. Um, the house which was near London, I mean, it's now sort of at the end of one of the tube lines. I mean, like, like some of the... Rothschild houses like Gunnersbury Park, it was a convenient place. It was sort of Rus, Rus in Orbe or, or Rus, um, you know, virtually in Orbe at the, at the time. Um, at Trent Park, he is, you know, networking at the centre of uh, the social and political world of his kind. And here, here he is um, between Edward the... Um, Eighth and Winston Churchill. His address books tell the same story. There, there he is with his sister and a page from um, July, you know, a weekend party, July 11th, 13th. Uh, Edward III, Wallace Simpson, Dickie Mountbatten, you know, the, the um, you know, he is absolutely an insider. And as Bob Boothby said, in the quotation I put on the previous slide, um, an unobtrusive stage director. He is somebody who is gently manipulating the world in which he lives. Here's a rather more negative comment from Harold Nicholson in his diary. You know, focusing on 
his alienness, his um, orientalness, a slim Baghdadi figure, dressed in double-breasted, silk-fronted, blue smoking jacket with zebra-hide slippers. Now, not exactly an English gent's costume. Strange, lonely, un-English little figure. Far too concerned with stuff. He always seems to me the most unreal creature I've ever known. People who cared overmuch for the works of man end up by losing all sense of the works of God. Not normally a preoccupation of Harold Nicholson, someone might say. Um, even their friends become mere pieces of decoration. The thing is, for the English, um, perfection is not an aesthetic. Comfort, the extreme comfort of Jewish high style, was not experienced as comfort by English guests. So here we have Violet Asquith as a, as a girl visiting citizens' parents in France and profoundly uncomfortable. Semitic patronage, hot rooms, constraint, orchids and champagne. I always feel tongue-tied in that atmosphere of almost oppressive kindness. I mean, sort of, you know, she's just... I mean, everybody, people keep springing at her with another cushion or a glass of champagne or something, and she would be much happier if they wouldn't bother. The rooms through which one passes, she says helplessly, to the dining room are too many and too perfect. So the Sassoon's family tradition, family way of being, sort of sets off alarm bells to the English. Todd's already quoted Somerset's mom, Alien Corn. This is slightly different selection from, from that piece. Um, you had the feeling that every object had been bought with a careful eye to the general scheme. You missed the dull academy portraits, the watercolours painted by a great aunt that cluttered up the drawing room so engagingly that, I mean, a house which is very magnificent and very expensive is still, to be properly English, you should have some Duff art, which is there purely for reasons of sentiment. <laughs> there is such a thing from an English perspective as too much taste. And Sassoon displayed this un-English attention to detail. It was alleged that at Trent Park the cut flowers were dyed to match the curtains in the guest rooms. <laughs> and Sassoon, for his part, fought back. He, visiting Lady Evelyn Guinness... He, he was as distressed by her decor as she would have been by his. She'd used cow parsley and moon daisies. He felt orchids would have been a great deal more suitable. She had pewter when she could have had gold. This is a fundamentally different approach to the business of self-representation. So soon, of course, comes back fighting, especially in Port Lynn, the sort of prodigy house which he built initially just as, as somewhere for, from which to service his um, constituency as MP for Hythe, but as it developed um, a place where he expressed himself. It's a deliberate expression of exoticism. It is not in any way the house of somebody who's trying to fit in, although interestingly the version that he gives is not in fact of a Jewish house so much as an Oriental one. Some contemporaries were actually under the impression that he was a Parsi. 
The original design he turned to Herbert Baker was a fairly conventional individual who, who produced a sort of Dutch colonial house. Subsequently, interventions from the gay architect Philip Tilden um, turned it into something either engaging or monstrous, depending on, on which way you looked at it. Um, Tilden, in his autobiography, said that Port Portlim um, was Sassoon's response to the war. It was a Renaissance house, a declaration that a new culture had risen up from the sickbed of the old with new aspirations, a mind tuned to a new burst of imagination. Baker, on the other hand, clearly felt that the house and garden were over the top and un-English, not to say queer, and was anxious to disassociate himself from the final result. Now, the gardens were spectacular. And this is a feature which no, doesn't survive in this form. Unfortunately, this triple swimming pool proved to be too heavy for the site and had to be removed in case it went careering down the hill. Um, <laughs> but I think one thing to notice is, is these, the, um, the lettering balustrade. That's a detail which is modelled essentially on the roof balustrading of Elizabethan prodigy houses such as Hardwick Hall or Temple Newsom. Here is Temple Newsom um, with biblical quotations round, round the um, sort of cornice there. Um, notice also, as we've just seen, James Rothschild is putting his initials all over the Chateau de Ferrière. There's a way of stamping yourself on the building. And um, at Hardwick Hall, of course, Elizabeth Shrewsbury has her initials on the um, skyline. The garden took advantage of a dramatically steep site, a series of terraces marching down what is virtually a cliff overlooking a spectacular distant view of Romney Marsh and the Channel. One of the models which Sassoon brought to this was um, the medieval Arabic generally fed gardens, built as the summer palace of the emirs of Granada. Similarly, it was built on a deeply sloping site. And uh, in some ways, I think Sassoon is actually uh, thinking of himself as a, as a sort of equivalent of the emirs of Granada. This is also a summer house. Um, while simultaneously being, as it were, a Medici, because the, the other place where you get steeply sloping gardens, of course, is, is the high Italian Renaissance. Jane Bone com comments on this, that the hillside garden has never been taken quite seriously in English gardening terms. But it's worth suggesting that Sassoon and the Medici printers had much in common in terms of desires and resources, as well as immensely high standards and a taste for the best of their own time. Port Lim is the nearest England can come to the Italian villa gardens. So just a couple more views of it. Um, there you go. Um, now we've come to the house. The interiors are equally exquisite. That is what meets you when you open the front door. Um, a view up the stairs. It is all to the highest possible um, standards. Now, an early intervention was a drawing room fresco by um, Josemaria Sert, which Sassoon commissioned and then decided that he frankly loathed. Um, he says here, 
so frightfully heavy that although the room is beautifully proportioned, you feel impelled to throw yourself down on your belly. Well, if, if I, I was sort of drinking gin with allegorical elephants bearing down on me like this, I'd probably feel much the same. Um, so that had to go. Um, Sert also did a model for a staircase which was not executed. So Sert was the, the great neo-Baroque muralist of, of his day. And he became very famous in England after he um, produced uh, the, the decor for a Diaghilev ballet, the Légion de Joseph. Now, here's another intervention, the Moorish patio. It was much more successful, but note that it, had, um, it embraces Arab aesthetics. Um, here's got the Geralife Gardens. Look at the way you've got the two rather smaller um, arches and then, then taller, taller one. That's a detail which you'll find on the ground floor of the Moorish patio here. Um, so, apart from the Moorish patio, which was a sort of bachelor's wing, another thing which was built by Philip Tilden as an intervention into the house is, is this, an octagonal library. Um, it looks fairly restrained in these black and white photographs. It wasn't. Um, that's actually a, a sketch by um, Winston Churchill, and it's a view from the dining room, which I'll talk about in a minute, into the library, revealing that the walls of the dining room are lapis lazuli blue, um, and that the library itself has books which are bound in a sort of pinky red, all the, all the same, and bookcases covered in gilver, which is... Um, uh, a mixture which is a sort of gilded silver, sort of between the two shades. Um, it was extraordinarily lush looking. And the, the, the hideous allegorical elephants were rapidly replaced um, with interwar white as championed by Sairi Morn. Um, you know, a riot of different textures of, of white and, and subtly off-white shades. And it was hung in white lame with white and gold furniture. This uh, dining room, um, it has, as I said, you have to imagine those walls are brilliant lapis blue, to judge by Winston Churchill, and that you're, you're looking through it to coral red and gold. Um, you've also got uh, a frieze of white bullocks and uh, semi-naked black Egyptians, which is by Glyn Philpott. Um, legend has it that he was recalled at short notice because Queen Mary proposed to visit, so he was required to paint knickers onto his Negroes, um, which he mostly succeeded in <laughs> doing. Um, the, uh, the ceiling was an opalescent pink. You have gilt-winged grey upholstered chairs of, of a Regency style with gilt and jade green cookings, uh, cushions. I mean, this, uh, this interior, despite its relative plainness in just the number of things in the room, um, was wildly opulent. The bedroom was fairly plain, though the swag material adds a theatrical touch. But... Um, one of the hugely successful interventions um, which was made after the destruction of, of the Sert murals was one in a, a far more sort of 
dainty and rococo taste by Rex Whistler. Notice also that it's got Philip Sassoon's um, initials in a cartouche in the ceiling. Again, this sort of stamping himself on the house. Um, it's a couple of uh, scenes from the mural. Uh, the sort of centre of the long wall here with um, his sister, Sybil Chumley, um, in a kind of barouche and... Uh, also a view down of a fictive long canal of Baroque, kind of which could come out of somewhere like Herrenhausen. Um, so Sassoon's house, I mean this, all his houses express <coughs> this confident, bold exquisiteness. This, this one though is simultaneously kind of orientalist and in some ways rather English. I mean, they notice that it's the English artists, um, Philip, um, Glyn Philpott and Rex Whistler, whose work survives. The Catalan cert is the one who gets painted over. Um, it's a, if it's an Englishness, it's a flamboyantly queer Englishness. But Sassoon is also touching base with an international tradition, with, uh, so, so this sort of vision of sort of Arabic splendor, sort of go, going back to uh, Baghdad. And um, an enormous, clearly his enormous confidence and self-belief. So soon left almost no writing. I mean, the, the, he was not autobiographically minded. He, was, um, he kept his secrets to himself. But this house seems to me to be saying something about a very extraordinary man who's taken on the English establishment on his own terms, and I think you have to say he won. Um, sorry about these tempietos, by the way. Um, Herbert Baker nagged Sassoon into removing them because he thought they were uh, too much, so that's what it looks like now. And it seems to me rather a shame that uh, they, they should have stayed. So, there we go. That's